0: You're listening to Lozano-Smith's podcast, where we discuss important changes in the law and legal decisions
1: that affect public agencies.
0: Devin and Dan, welcome back. I'm sure many of our listeners have been waiting pensively for us to pick this conversation back up. Uh, Where we last left off, we were going to come back and talk now in greater detail about ways, other ways of financing uh, your your district energy project. So let's do it. So Devin, since mm-hmm. we just took our little jaunt, and I think it's very helpful. Thank you, Dan. Uh, you know, what's some of the stuff you've seen on the ground lately that, that kind of jumps out to you in, in this context?
1: You know, from our perspective as attorneys, the a cash purchase with no financing aspect is the easiest transaction. You know, it's a construction project. What makes it different is, from a typical construction project for a school district, is um, that the, we haven't mentioned this yet, but we use a bid exception, uh, bidding exception to authorize a lot of these projects. So the public contract code typically requires public entities to um, perform public works projects, construction projects by public bidding, but there are exceptions, and one of them is government code section 4217.12, which is authority from the early 1980s. It's available to all public agencies in California to um, approve a contract for energy conservation measures, which is very, very broad language. I think Dan was referring to this earlier, that um, you can do so and approve that kind of contract without going through public bidding, so long as you do a few things, including noticing a hearing two weeks before a board meeting and at that hearing, making certain findings about the um, cost savings you're gonna generate from the project relative to the investment. Um, So we we rattle off those numbers a lot, 4217, when we're talking about approval of these projects. But what happens to me a lot these days is I get a call from a client with a vendor, they haven't put this out to bid, the vendor's already kind of sold the project to the district, they've decided they don't wanna do a PPA, or they do, but let's say the scenario where they don't wanna do a PPA, and they say, "I'm, you know, I'm gonna build this project, I need a 4217 notice, I wanna take it to my board in two weeks, and I say, um, how are you paying for it? Sometimes, you know, even at that stage, it's not even clear to the district how it's all gonna be paid for, or they say something like, Oh, um, I'm gonna do a lease financing, and that's when I know that I gotta call Dan, um, because it may be a lot more complicated from that point forward than the person who's calling me may or may at that point appreciate.
0: So Dan, recognizing the complicated nature of that, can you kind of walk us through, in a non-complicated way, the issues that arise if a district. And or their vendor are thinking about a lease financing to get one of these projects done.
2: Yeah. Well
0: the, the
2: the the why of it, you know, how how we get here, I think is is, is super interesting and Devin has already you know, talked about talked about that. You know, from an economic standpoint, you know, the, the behavior of, of of businesses and people uh, leads you know leads to a scenario oftentimes where because of the, the, the the obvious public good of of these kinds of projects, right, particularly in California, um, and the incentive that is provided by by the feds, there is a there is oftentimes such enthusiasm about such projects that we really rush headlong into it, uh, with with giving not quite enough attention to the uh, the legal parameters under which it can be accomplished, right? So. And further complicating that, I think we have to remember that the the lenders that we are, you know, that we're going to be borrowing money from, oftentimes, if we are talking about a financing, these are multi-state actors, right? These are not California-specific actors. And even when they do have a California presence, and many do, that does not make them experts on financing vehicles for school districts in this context or another context. Or anything up, any you know, any many others as well. Right. They leave those state law validity issues uh, either to nobody, or they leave (laughs) them to uh, folks on the ground like myself. But we need to be invited to the party too, in order to to make sure that everyone's expectations and timeline expectations are are managed as well. Do you Um,
0: find Do you find those those third party entities that are Going to drive that that who are you know more knowledgeable in a general financing sense and are and or out of state actors, will you find them rushing headlong ahead with with the vendor and public agency without contemplating whatsoever what they're about to get into? Do you see that occur? Very I, often? I I do
2: see that. And unfortunately, I do see that occur, and I see it occur on all sides. Frankly, um, you know, from the from our uh, from the agency's perspective the motivating factor there is that this is how could this be a bad thing this is a good thing we're going to not only are we are we environment friendly you know and the legislature hasn't certainly incentivized and encouraged us to be environment friendly but also this results in savings for us right so there is such enthusiasm from the district side as well um and oftentimes it's all you know the, the you know what you get when you call a lawyer, right? You know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna be talking to Doctor No here in a second. So, so there, I think there may be some trepidation there as well. The vendor, on you know, from for their part, I think uh, they want to they want to work. They want their guys to start swinging hammers, and so oftentimes they are incentivized, if not off, if not every time, they are incentivized to sometimes be matchmaker. Uh, between uh, the, the school district, which in a financing context is going to be uh, incurring um, a, although a not, not a constitutional meaning of debt, some debt nevertheless, and the bank who is going to forward or advance that money. Right, It's so, never the vendor that does it. So they oftentimes will come in and design a system and say, okay, well your Prop 39 funds will get you this far. Can you peel off you know, this much of developer fees? Okay, that leaves us a gap of about 20%. That means about two and a half million dollars. How are we gonna come up with that? Oh, I got it. I just worked with this bank over here. Um, they get They got a fair deal for somebody else. Let's put you all together. And then you're off and running, right? The bank oftentimes, again, a multi-state actor, not so sensitive to California law and less so sensitive to California school district financing law.
0: So on the law side, Dan, can you talk about, sure. you mentioned constitutional issues. What's the constitutional issues that are in play here? Yeah, well, the most fundamental of all. Um, we've, we we
2: run into and are always mindful of the constitutional debt limitation. Uh, the constitutional debt limitation is simply expressed is you cannot incur a financial liability in the current year that is beyond what you could with your receipts or income in that in that fiscal year. So, anything beyond that we'll just call it a multi-year obligation or more than a, a cross fiscal year obligation that would generally speaking and i do mean generally speaking meet the constitutional definition of debt and this is important because when there is debt or debt meaning the constitutional definition of debt otherwise it has to be approved by by the electorate right Uh, and we're now we're closing the circle again we're going back to traditional authority bonds right you we're talking about the debt the thresholds right so the two-thirds threshold under the traditional authority bond—that is the means by which you would be able to be authorized to issue constitutional debt or issue debt in the form of general obligation bonds. That is the traditional thing that we're thinking about when we are talking about debt for purposes of the Constitution.
0: But yes, is, please save me because I'm not my litigator and student hat. Head is is starting to spin just yeah. a little bit. Yes, yeah, so, because we're not talking about bonds okay. here, and we're not going to. All right. Okay.
2: All right. So uh, fortunately, the courts have have uh, thought about these issues um, in in the context of lease financing. So you might ask Dan, well, how do we get, you know, how do we how do we incur debt? How do we how do we do a lease financing? Isn't that kind of a debt? And I don't I don't remember seeing a kind of vote requirement for that. Right. But, well, it's true that there isn't, and the reason is is that there is a line of cases, uh, or a couple of cases, uh, known as the Offner-Dean um, cases that, that by which uh, the courts have recognized that, that, there, that outside of the constitutional definition of debt, outside, meaning the following is not gonna be debt, so long as there is a contemporary exchange, this for that, Right. And in the case of a lease financing, the contemporary exchange namely would be my lease payment to the lessor in exchange for their grant of use of beneficial use and occupancy of the thing that I'm paying for, since that is happening in a contemporary quid pro quo Way
0: way to squeeze in quid pro quo, Dan. Thank you. This wouldn't be a legal <laughs> webinar or a podcast without
2: it. I had to go Latin. Thank you. Know you. I Thank you. Uh, that's how that is. That is the basis and the long, long-standing basis upon which the the courts have looked at lease financing structures and said that's not debt. It doesn't require a vote of the of the electorate. So that clears us of the constitutional. Hurdle that clears us theoretically out of the constitutional hurdle hurdle, but where the rubber meets the road is where we often have some problems, right? Again, we're not we're talking about multi-state actors, right? Okay. So the the, the lenders and lenders council, a bank council, um, may or may not be sophisticated about about these issues, and the the financing documents that we are presented with um, may not observe a necessary necessary facets in order to to fit into California's permissible structure for, for lease financings.
0: So I'm gonna throw a, an alphabet soup, soup acronym to you, which I don't know the meaning of, but in preparing to chat with you two, came across it. But CDIAC? CDIAC. California Debt and Investment Advisory
2: Commission. How does that fit into this? Well, um, Specifically, uh, the California Debt and Investment Advisory Commission, or CDAC, I, I pronounce it C- CDAC, is um, more than anything else, from my perspective, a kind of a clearinghouse for or, or warehouse for for uh, local financing obligation information. Uh, they are we must report um, see we must report um, pending sales or proposed sales, I should say to that state body, um, and they maintain those records. And in fact, you can go on their website and, and look at what is their website called. Sales of
0: bonds. No, not just sales of bonds, okay. sales of any kind of debt or the occurrence of any kind of, of debt. Which would include this lease financing option that we're talking
2: about. And, and, and that it's and that itself, that point that you just made, is one that the, the market itself, and, and even practitioners have been slow to understand over over a number of years. Um, the legislature did clarify that, I wanna say about four years ago. What the meaning of cells are in that? Well, well, no, uh, but putting it another way that that this kind of debt, or I should say debt that doesn't fit into traditional structures such as general obligation bonds or for, you know, for another agency or for a school district, COPS certificates of participation, those vary the uh, obvious types of financing vehicles are not the only types of financing vehicles, and not the only kinds of debt that our our agencies are authorized to to incur, and are therefore required to report. Uh, so you know, C D A C is is not not ex- not exactly a watchdog, but it is it is uh, used as a repository for for. Uh, local municipal uh, debt financings.
0: What uh, have so anything, any other kind of yeah. legal issues that, that or other practical issues that come up in your mind when it comes to these, yeah. these financing? Yeah, you know, one of the one example,
2: one, one easy example of um, trying to mind the the California constitutional principles that come that tends to come up from time to time is. I think just interesting to talk about is is the transfer of title. Um, oftentimes in, in these you know private placement lease financings, there is a presumption that the that the that the school district you know in our case we're talking about a school district takes title to the improvements right away. Well, that does some disservice to the legal structure that has to be involved in order to get away from the constitutional debt limitation, right? Because you don't own something right You are renting it you're leasing it from the person that you leased it to Right, it's, it is a lease lease back structure. So you've got a piece of property on which the improvements are going to be made maybe it's a parking lot we're talking about the solar shade structure as well right You lease that to the to the lender the, and we're talking about a very very basic structure here you lease it to the lender the lender leases it back to you right? Um, and, ex- and, and that lease back to you obligates you to pay them for the use of, of of the of the property and the improvements. Those payments are sublease payments, and that acts as a proxy for debt service. In fact, it is debt service. So it, one of the issue there that I'm getting to is is the transfer of title. If you already own it, how is it that you are renting? It is just kind of a kind of a head-scratcher that we, one of the head-scratchers that we as as finance professionals work through in order to conform the lender's expectations that may be informed by their practice elsewhere to what has to happen in in California. Um, there are other, other issues as well that are not as meaty from a constitutional basis, just kind of footfall stuff that, that are that may not be thought of. Uh, you mentioned CDAC. Uh There is a proposed uh, notice that has to go out. You know before the before the sale of sale of debt.
0: What's the what timing? The timing of that is there. That goes
2: thirty days before the sale itself. Okay? okay, but that's not it. You know there are other reporting obligations um, that or notice obligations that have to happen as well depending on the kind of financing it is, let's say that we're talking about solar structures, or let's say that we're talking about HVAC equipment that becomes affixed to the property, right? At that point, we've got a real property-backed financing. That's gonna trigger a reporting obligation to the county, the county superintendent and the county auditor, giving them an opportunity to weigh in on whether or not the, the issuer, our school district in this scenario, is in a position to pay back that debt uh, to maturity. Uh, that is something that is not missed, and that's something that is always or almost always going to be missed if we're talking about an out-of-state actor right. that's not familiar with these little picky nu- little nuance requirements yeah. in California. And not that and there are, not, there's a host of these,
0: right? And and not that um, not that our podcast. Are intended to encourage our listeners to reach out to legal counsel, but this is one of those scenarios where I totally get it. Yeah. If you're if you're you're enthusiastic, you're aboard, you're gonna save money and do clean energy. It's a win win for the community right. and your district. Uh, let's grab you know big bank A and vendor B. Here we go, and before you know it, um, if you haven't tapped into, um, especially this kind of unique pocket uh public finance expertise in California I could see how very quickly you could you could be off the rails and at a minimum delay your projects full and proper implementation Well I'm
2: glad you said that and I you know I, I far be it from us to engage in scare tactics right <laughs> but but the idea but but what you just said is I think I think is important uh, which is it isn't, it isn't just, the worst case scenario might not be just that your expectations about the timing or the shape of the financing is not gonna be met, although that may be um, a, a, a something that you wanna avoid at all costs, right? You could be in a, a scenario where you have, the, the cart is a little bit before the horse and you might have engaged the vendor on a construction contract before you've got the, the financing set up. And yes, so that is a bad scenario, but worse than that, um, failing some of these procedural hurdles that are critical path things, uh, like the county notice, like having making sure that you have a debt management policy, that you have adopted a debt management policy before incurring debt, these things are violations on their own. Um, and so your worst case scenario might not just be that, oh, we got to do it all over again. Fortunately, you can't. You could just do pause, say, well, we'll just cure and correct and go forward. That may, the worst case there might mean just a delay, right? But worst case scenario actually could mean violation of, of other related laws. It could also mean violation of, of continuing disclosure undertakings that you may have On another unrelated financing there is a new new requirement under uh, continuing disclosure SEC rules that would require that this kind of a thing which is seen as a, a financial obligation would have to be reported to a yet different national clearinghouse about or that that holds disclosure items Pertaining to issuers that have already engaged in financing, so the, the the weight of things to to beset you, or I should say, the amount can be broader or more numerous than you than you
0: might think. Thanks, Dan. I mean, I think that's a really important landscape to 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 lay out in this scenario. And again, I'm, I'm with you. The intention isn't uh, not scare tactics, but it, it's why it, it is where. There's some some complicated and important and potentially um, harmful end results if if we're not if our school districts or other public entities aren't fully aware of of the consequences here of and the nuances of what they need to do. Devin, what what are, are what have you seen in terms of the trends toward this type of financing?
1: Well, I've d- seen a distinct trend toward. Increasingly looking at lease financing and, you know, all these issues that Dan is talking about um, come up. I think that we're going to see that trend continue. We talked about the fact that the ITC is beginning to wane, and unless it's extended, PPAs may lose popularity. Um, or, may you know, we may see escalator clauses come back. I don't know. It's speculative. You know, also... We spent a lot of this podcast talking about solar, but um, we did mention Prop Thirty Nine, which over the period from twenty twelve till the end of June twenty nineteen, Prop Thirty Nine has driven a lot of energy efficiency projects, like we talked about at the outset, and that money is pretty much used up. The state is going to have there's still going to be some money available for energy efficiency projects, but not at the same not the same um, not available to all school districts the way it was for that seven year period. Um, so I think what we're really gonna see is if you haven't taken advantage of Prop 39 and you still wanna do an energy efficiency project, lease finance is largely gonna be one of the ways to accomplish that from here on out. That's not using cash you have on hand through general fund or the bond. And um, you know I, I, I think the, the, there's a reason that Dan and I are talking more and more often about these projects and that's because available funding sources are changing.
0: You agree, Dan? Yeah,
2: yeah, you know, the financing, the private financing as a general matter has always been a always been a big part. The newness here is is what are we spending it for, right? So and and how do we fit that into a an authorized framework that has been provided for us by by the legislature and so, you know, the, I, part of part of this as well is that it's still kind of wild westy out there. Mm-hmm. And part of the wild westness of of this is that um, and it hasn't been until recently that that the legislature and the federal government has kind of focused on on municipal markets, uh, but but I think we're we're going to we're going to see that. So as much as as much as private financing is not a trend, as much as uh, energy efficiency improvements are, and how. Th- and how the, the state is looking to incentivize energy improvements with additional changes in law. Um, I, I I I tend to think that we'll see some development in that law too. Hopefully it comes by legislative fiat and not by
0: not by case. Law, opinions, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so if that if that is the wild, wild west we're in, Devon, is that a good thing or a bad thing in your view?
1: Well, I think you know, Dan kind of said this earlier. We've private investors have always been part of what's driving the trends on trends toward clean energy projects at our public agencies. It just how they're coming into that, um, that discussion is changing a little bit in terms of the model. You know, I guess that, as I've indicated, I, you know, lease financings were pretty rare for me five years ago. And they're much, much, much more common right now. And, you know, but then again, I've been dealing with Uh, vendors who are backed by private investors throughout that time. So we're talking about a partnership between private investors and public entities. Um, It's a reality. I don't know if I think it's a say it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's how the economy works in the United States. And you know, particularly how things have structured here in California. So I think, you know, it's, as I indicated, the private investor is looking at our public agencies as a sure thing. And our private entity, our public entities, sorry, are looking at investors as a source of cash that they're not able to 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 raise locally.
0: Dan and Devin, in terms of the the laws that that underpin this area, um, do you guys have views on what the legislative intent or expectation is um, as to energy projects and financing, and and how that legislative uh, vision uh, impacts options for? For school districts in this area, I, I think the
2: legislature has shown, and Devin, um, I'm sure, would agree that that the legislature is looking to provide the most flexibility around these issues, and in particular, energy savings issues, because the state is is uh, intensely intensely concerned with conservation conservation issues, particularly around the the idea of energy. Go yeah, ahead. I
1: think that's right. I think that's one of our themes today. Is there is you know there's we live in a state that. That really is trying to promote work in this in this area. Not not universally. I mean, there's definitely some changes that are happening with respect to uh, how we operate our grid, that kind of thing. But by and large, this is a state that is very supportive of um, energy efficiency and solar projects.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and um, the the statutory or the governing authority for many of these types of projects it says it right in there. It says that this is this this grant of authority is meant to be viewed in the most expansive way possible. Of course, I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. That, is the, that is the meaning that, that we practitioners get out of, out of that language. And so we also um, are, are freed up to be a little bit more creative, a little bit more f- thinking about flexibility and making a proposed project work when it's gonna result in energy
0: savings. Well, and I think that that's an important gloss to, to add on to, to our discussion so I, I as i anticipated with us three um, we've chatted for quite a while mm-hmm. and it's probably time for us to wrap this up for our listeners but i want to ask you both some some big picture uh, questions and and your thoughts uh, especially um based upon the the high level of expertise between you two and especially team together you know why is this subject important What's the future hold on this issue? And and Dan, maybe I'll let you take a crack at that first.
2: Well, uh, I you know I think it's important to to recognize the, the the real community value here and to be sensitive, you know, for the practitioner, right? So, if I would share with with someone that that isn't a lawyer, um, it, 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 with the focus on 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 these kinds of financing vehicles, I would I would say that the uh, that, that we're sensitive to the, the, the public uh, benefit of these things and certainly for that matter understand that as a result there is a lot of well-placed enthusiasm uh, for, the, for the projects. You know, uh, but again, from the from the lawyer's perspective, the worrywart lawyer, the hand wringing the perseverating lawyer from Doctor Danny No, Doctor Danny (laughs) No, Doctor Danny No wants to wants to make sure that you are you know that our issuers, that our our agencies are mindful of of red flags or or have their spidey sense turned on so that so that you're getting good, unbiased, appropriate. Uh, timely advice when you are considering a a financing vehicle, as opposed to after you've already decided that that this may be a good thing to do, uh, and, and it and because the the end result of it might be a more exposing um, scenario uh, than than you would have been in had you not done it in the first place.
0: Right, Devin, Notwithstanding the benefit. Sorry, uh, Devin importance the future in this area
1: um yeah i mean i i think you know we're going to start we see a lot of attention in this realm for a very good reason because we're talking about clean energy which is a topic that relates to to climate change it relates to how we as a planet continue to power economic growth and what you know obviously federal policy on this issue has changed with current administration may change again but we as a you know citizenry need to think really hard about these these issues so when you see those panels going up at your school or um, town hall I think it symbolizes an engagement by society with with, with climate issues and I, you know I outside of you know advising on on public finance or on public projects I think that's a really cool thing so that's why I think it's important um, in terms of the future yeah I think I expect to be working in this area for a long time to come I don't think we're gonna see a wane in um, energy projects I think we're gonna see we are seeing a change in how they're financed but I think we're gonna to continue to see in- interest until until you know you have got panels in every uh, parking lot um, I think it's gonna it's, it's, it's a trend that's here to stay
0: yeah absolutely so as as some final words Words to the wise for our public entity clients, uh, Dan, who are thinking about going down this road.
2: It's, it's self-serving and, and it's simple. Just call early and often. Uh, let, us, let us guide you through that, through that process. Um, let's, let's make sure that your expectations are reasonable and, and aligned with, with uh, the, the governing authority and what actually can happen. You've got an idea of what you can do and when you want to do it. Calling, uh, calling early and often, making sure that you've got somebody to guide you through that process that is your person, uh, not the vendor's person, not the bank's person, but your person to help you along in that process is, is always going to be a good idea, particularly when we are also, you know, talk about an environmental context that is focused on environmental efficiency or environmental green benefit. At the same time, we're also in an environment that is is looking at the increased scrutiny of debt financing. There are multiple examples of this. AB 182 from 2012, the MCDC initiative regarding continuing disclosure obligations. Pay to play from the state treasurer's office from about four years ago. AB one ninety five, which was a, no, a new notice provision for for ballot measures. There is a sense that that folks, that regulatory bodies and legislatures and the feds are really starting to to pay attention um, in a mindful way on on financing financing vehicles of all kinds. So. Um, that would be my word to the wise.
0: I don't always say that your words are wise, but those do sound sound wise. <laughs> I didn't say they were wise. I Thank said you. they were words to the wise. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Miss Lincoln.
1: Um. Yeah. Closing thoughts. You know, I echo what Dan says. These are, but what I what I'd say is, these are really complicated transactions. I often think of myself as a translator between my public entity clients who look at things the perspective of delivering service to their constituents, whether those be kids in school or citizens um, using public facilities. And it doesn't match up neatly with the market folks who we deal with when we're negotiating one of these agreements. And so I often have to translate, why do they want it this way? Why is this important to them from one side to the other of that divide? And so they're very complicated transactions. And um and they're not something that most of our public agency clients come into the conversation knowing a lot about, so it's it, it and there's a lot of knowledge that um that that we can help impart when that when you're working at, looking at one of these transactions so, you know yeah I think, I'll tell you when you don't need me but I also tell you when you know I can help so um this would definitely be that area.
0: Thank you to both of you. This has been ex- extremely interesting. I you know again as someone. Who myself avoids and well is not invited to participate in these types of projects in all honesty <laughs> this was a uh, very interesting very um uh, insightful for me and i think uh, i i think our listeners will will think the same because i think this does give a, a very this discussion has been a very helpful overview of how energy projects the buckets they fall into the financing options that are available to our school districts and other public entity clients as they as they uh, measure whether or not to go down this road. Um, and your, the expertise of both of you, I think, r- really shines through. And so thank you both um, for participating today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to Lozano Smith's podcast. Uh, we encourage you to visit our podcast page at lozanosmith.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find links and additional details on some of the topics we've discussed today as well as other uh, podcasts in our series. And make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Mm -hmm. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, though. If you have any questions about this topic, please contact the hosts of this episode or an attorney at any of our eight offices
1: throughout California. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the information contained in this
0: podcast is necessarily general, its application to a particular set of facts and circumstances
1: may vary. For this reason, this podcast does not constitute legal advice. We recommend that you consult with your counsel prior to acting on the information you heard.